Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. It's good to hear you today and get back with you as we are uh, preparing for the upcoming Sunday, September the 3rd, 2023, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. And as I record, it will be a Sunday in which we will give thanks that yet another Florida hurricane has, <laughs> I'm grateful it has passed me and mine by, but uh, Idalia, as they were saying it uh, this week, has wreaked some havoc. They were going on and on about how to pronounce the name of this hurricane. I think they were trying to call it Idalia. And I said, don't you boys know, ain't you ever had a Vidalia onion? <laughs> that hurricane's Idalia. Don't you? <laughs> we're, we're southern. We never saw an eye we didn't like and wouldn't stretch out as long as we could. Oh, that's an Idalia. That's an That <laughs> girl does Idalia. But anyhow, uh, we're grateful and uh, prayers for those that have oh, yeah. had uh, a lot more to put. I'm trying to remember which of our uh publications we spent a week trying to work on together on on cedar key a yeah. barred house cedar key and uh, yep. we had a great time you know um just the two of us hanging out and yep. writing and thinking and going down on the down to the good seafood places at night and mm-hmm. eating scrambled eggs and sandwiches the rest of the day and yeah i thought we thought about that and john sent me a picture this morning of uh off the a screenshot yeah. of a house that was very similar to one we stayed in yep. with the water up above the windows. So I I, I have a, <laughs> I'm not a Floridian, but yeah. I, I, I can visualize a place I loved and appreciated yeah. as in deep trouble and thinking about spreading that. It's, let's be in prayer for those folks. Well, and, seriously. And besides just being in prayer, let's reach out and help them. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It really struck home to me, Bubba, when uh, they said they set a record there in Cedar Key with storm surge, six feet, nine inches. And I imagined your son, a good pastor and a listener to our show, Lowell, uh, with the water just there at the top of his head. Uh, That's that's a lot of water. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of water. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So his his little brother, who's... uh, (laughs) A couple of inches shorter. Uh, I was trying to play center in, in uh, Division Two basketball, and I'm trying to imagine the water over his head. That's it. So that's uh, it. Yeah, that's that's a lot of water. Okay, so. man. Well, yeah. Let's talk some text for all right uh, for this weekend. Uh, we got oh, good uh, stuff in Exodus, and you know it's just on from there with great uh, Jeremiah. Some more out of Romans. I love this chapter yep. twelve, and of course we get to the gospel. And a great, an interesting encounter between Jesus and kind of his, you know, number one guy, the capo, the the, <laughs> the, 
the, certainly uh, kind of the mouth of the South as things go. There you go. Peter, That's so. what I was going to say. Yeah. He's the, he's the, uh, the gospel writer's chosen voice of doubt and despair yeah. on behalf of the disciples. And <laughs> yeah. What? I don't get it voice. The I don't get it voice. Um, themes I'm thinking about today is, um, first one is uh, vocation and call. Vocation and call. Um, and of course, in Exodus, the, the burning bush and the here I am. Uh, in Jeremiah, your words found me. I ate them. Uh, that's great. Yeah. In Romans, uh, you got to go back to the verse, first verse of this chapter 12, 1. Therefore. So first 11 chapters are about the call and, and our situation in being God's redeemed people. Then he says, therefore, this is how you live. That's the call. And and followers, if you want to follow me, let me explain what that means. Uh, that's a big, so that's a, that's a big theme, the, the call to vocation and how that all works out. I think within that, they, and, and it could be, be rise to the main theme for the day, is the priority of God's action in all. Um, in Exodus, there's, I have seen, I will act, I am with you. I will be with you. Right. The I have seen, I have seen, I've heard, then God acts, and God promises to press. Uh, Jeremiah, there's this the second half, which is God responding to Jeremiah's wine. I will the great I wills that God says. If you'll do, if you'll stay steady, I'll be with you. I'll I'll deliver you. Take care of you. Um, Romans, God says, you know, there's God is not speaking here, but there is that. When he quotes the Hebrew scriptures, you know, the vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, is not about physical vengeance. About this is in God. Life is in God's hands. Right. This is why we live in all this wonderful, peaceful way, is because we are not responsible for ultimately creating um, equi- equi- You know, it's God's act. God's got the priority of action. And uh, in the Gospels again, got that ending in which it says, "God, the Son of Man, come in the glory of the Father." And He is that Son of Man, or is it the Father? But one God, it's God, will repay this ultimate priority of God's action. As uh, and then the the another one is of course the cost of discipleship that raises uh take up your cross deny self and follow me to key for the day but you look back at these other texts moses gives up his safety his security his nice home and being sent back to where he fled right jeremiah is destroyed by eating god's word and by doing what he's called uh, Romans speaks about, you know, there comes as much as possible on your behalf, but when it comes to being oppressed, don't pay it back. Just take it. You know, suffering. Yeah. Gospel is clear. It's full of suffering. We are called to suffer. This is what Peter resists. Suffering. The cost of discipleship. What is the cost of discipleship? 
preach. But there are a lot of themes right. that, that, depending on your situation and what, as uh, we used to say growing up, what the Lord has led me to say, <laughs> what the Lord leads you yeah. to say, That's right. what you rationally think your congregation needs to hear, there's a lot to work around in here. Yep. Stopping and thinking about that, uh, as... As we've said, and, and that's sort of the method we encourage, you do your reading, all right? You read these texts and let them start to filter through. Maybe you do a little uh, commentary work or language work or whatever. And in a case like today, where there are several possible places to alight in a sermon, yep. uh, that moment where you say, but what about my people? What about the folks that are going to be in my pews this weekend? Where is the word within these words for them? And we are we are uh, we are ultimately conveyors of the word of God. Particular people, particular. Yeah, I've had Bubba. Right. You probably have too. I've had I've done sermon work and and enamored of what I've done, and I've constructed a sermon. I go, <laughs> that, man, that just all fits. It all fits, and I get ready to think about taking it in, and I'm going, but it's not the right thing. It's not, and you go, but but I want, I lo- I love this sermon. No, it's not the right thing. There's there's a, yeah. there's a question I always ask myself. Yeah, and I have to tell the story underneath. I was a student pastor uh, in Duke Divinity School and had three little country Methodist churches. One of them was Hebron, had uh, 16 average, on the average Sunday, uh, 14 grandmothers and two grandsons, one that came with grandma. They were my ushers. And uh, I got real enamored of a unilateral disarmament sermon <laughs> that I wrote. It was a, it was a, an adjustment to a paper for my ethics class. And it took me all the way to the offertory, which in uh, their liturgy, you know, the sermon was the last thing. They were doing the offertory, and I looked out at that group. I looked at the manuscript I had, and I said, what are you doing? (laughs) Ain't nobody in this place about to get anything out of this. I I got up and winged it off the text that I had chosen and just made a running commentary with an application that I thought of while doing the Roman running commentary was the best I could do. But every time I write a sermon, then I look at it and I say, now what would Miss Sally Spoon think about this? <laughs> and the Baldwin sisters. Yeah. Think? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my, my acid test. That's a what good test. Sally Spoon what would Miss this? Sally Spoon think about this? Yep. All right. Exodus 3. Well, this is a great story. The great story. This is a foundational story. Um, the situation, uh, of course, is that Moses was, as we know from last week, and and that sort of raised in the palace. He was a beneficiary of all those great women who came to his rescue, and he was raised in the palace. And somewhere along the way, he did understand. I think probably by his nurse and others, who was his mama, but others who tended to him, he did understand he was a Hebrew. And at a certain point, you can go in and find the story. He finds himself defending a Hebrew slave and ended up killing a Egyptian overseer. And he buries the body and hides heads out. You know, he runs, he's off in the wilderness. He's lucky. He finds a wife and a job and a family and he's tending the flock. And he's, you know, I would say, I'm, I got away. I'm happy. 
he's out with the flock one day and suddenly he sees a burning bush and like any other, what the heck? <laughs> Wanders over there and a voice comes out and says, Moses, Moses, here I am. Here I am, you know, that great, great biblical line. Abraham called to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Here's Isaiah, you know, Isaiah, the one we base the song off of, usually. Whom will I send? Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Um, You got Samuel, you know, with Eli. Here I am, finally. Uh, Mary. Here I am. And then the call of, of Paul, Saul to become Paul, it's not Paul who does a here I am, but Ananias. Here I am, Lord. Yeah. Running theme. And each of these people, if you look back at it, are called to do something they'd probably rather not. <laughs> just, just as soon not get into this. They're not, they're not, they're not volunteering. volunteering. Yeah. They don't, they don't know what they're being called to, but they know it's the Lord doing it. I think that's an important theme. The Lord has calls them and they say, here I am. Then he tells them what he wants them to do. And each time, they're invited out of their comfort zone I to go and do something on behalf of the Lord. Absolutely. I really like the this story in particular, this call story, the, the playoff between Moses, here yeah. I am, and what's coming in the name of God, I am that I am. And all yeah. of the things you've delineated for us in your uh, in your yeah. intro, the uh, other uh, just a few minutes ago, I have seen, I have heard, uh, uh, everything are all come out of that nature of God. I am. I am, but for Moses, we pause and reflect when when he says, "Here I am," it is at that moment, "Here I am" with all that. I am everything that's ever happened to me, this whole story, you know, all us, you know, growing up in the palace, you know, getting plucked out of the water, they tell me, growing up in the palace, getting involved, running away, here on the backside of it, all of those experiences, every bit of that life story is right here on this day in this encounter. And Moses, well, here I am. And, in fact, is going to argue with God, as we know the rest of the story. I'm not really fit for this job, you know. I, I don't speak so well. I've, I've, I've got a speech impediment. And, and, on, and on and on and on and on. Here I am. And it just strikes me that if we are all going to, use my air quotes, come to the Lord, or yeah. when the Lord comes to us, whatever that moment is, all we can be is all that we are, and it's all with us. It's all right. part of us, everything that we are. And that's what God is choosing to work with here. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the, this dialogue is, is so fascinating because of all the uh, I statements God makes. You know, and I, I, I build one, you know, if you want the three pointer here there's the i am god is i 
will. But God be will with you. And Moses is no, no. Uh, the I will, uh, I will deliver them. Uh, I will take them to a new land. I will do all this stuff. And Moses is going, Amen. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. And he said, And I'm sending you to do it. <laughs> and then I, I am the great and powerful, powerful odds. <laughs> I will deliver. I will defeat all the demons. I will do it. And Moses, I'm sending you to do it. <laughs> and Moses, Amen, turns to oh, oh, my. shoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then yeah, and that's, and that's but, the but the twice, twice but Moses and he's trying to say but but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. And God's basic answer is, "I am, and I'll be with you." He basically says, "I'm sending you, and I'm with you." Right. That's the great promise. I'm with you. I saw, I saw a thing on on uh, Facebook just this morning that that just struck me with this text. God won't give you more than you can handle, air quotes, is idolatry of self-sufficiency, living behind spiritual-sounding words. The truth is, people are dealing with more than they can handle all over the world. That's why we need God and why he's given us each other. All of us have more than we can handle. I can, I can testify personally. And and I've had more than I can handle a lot for often. Yeah. And thank God Almighty, I've not had to handle it by myself. I have not necessarily been the formal church, you know, the, the, the structure. That has taken care of me. It has been the church of those who are my spiritual brothers and sisters of whatever denomination and tradition yeah. who have been there when when I couldn't handle it. And, and that is what happens in this text. God looks down and God sees the hurt, the oppression, the need. He hears the cries. You can read all of that. And he then, he calls Moses and sends him. And the question for us today, I think, homiletically, is whose oppression and need has God called us in all our humbleness, <laughs> all our here I amness? Where has He called us to be sent? Now, it may not be deepest, you know, when I was a kid and. And Southern, Southern Baptists Baptist were all about deepest Africa, Africa and the Methodists were all about China. And so it's not necessarily foreign mission, you know, when I say sent. You might be sent to be nice to your neighbor. You might be sent to deal with the homeless in your midst. Yeah. yeah. Where, I, but you've got to figure out, where has God called you? What has God heard that God needs you yeah. to deal with? Uh, two quick things. Uh, yeah. Uh, some of you all know, I, I came up really as a church musician uh, before, as my church music friend said, I moved over to the dark side and began to preach. <laughs> but <laughs> And so uh, a youth musical of the, I don't know, I guess this was in the 80s and, and, and whatever. And I remember this one moment, the musical itself wasn't that impressive, but 
there was this one song where you have this kid, Mr. Cool Jock in the local high school, you know, and, and also cool in the, in the youth group and whatever. And he sings this song. Oh Lord, I'll go to deepest, darkest Africa, but please don't send me to Lakewood High. Which was, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And you yeah, get exactly. the point. You're like, we're all, uh, you know, uh, going, oh, well, I might be willing to go. But you mean you're going to send me to my own people? Which is the call story here for Moses. And the second thing, we have let you all that have been with us, especially for several years, know that we this show is almost completely unscripted. Now, we prepare, but we don't. And sometimes things just come to us. And as you were just talking there, Delmer, about, uh, you know, the, the, and see, it, it unscripts itself too. It just went out of my head. Uh, I wanted to talk about the connection to the here I am. Right. Um, God knows full well that Moses ain't all that. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and calls and sends anyhow. And so here I am is not an act of, oh, well, here I am. I know I can handle this. It was to your point of God not putting on you, you know, what you can't handle. God always puts on us what we can't handle because it's God's work. And Moses is not equipped to handle everything that's coming, but he is chosen. And and the the here I amness on Moses' part says, okay, want to use me? You can use all of me, bad, the good, the indifferent, the, you know. But all right, it's enough out of me. Well, Psalm one hundred five, just to tie there, is uh, I'm going to be just brief about it. The first six verses, I mean, it picks picks and chooses through a long psalm for our reading. The first six verses are thank, thank God. God, you know, call the people to come, and then. Verses 23 through 26 are historical-based why. And it's come, it hits the note of God saw what we were going through in Egypt, and God sent Moses and Aaron. And it ends with just picking uh, the very tail end of the 45 to say, praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> had to hunt down a praise the Lord to end the reading with. Now, but the key there is that Long after what happened with Moses, the Israel people, Israeli people, Israelite people, whenever they found themselves in trouble, were encouraged to always remember the past, not just as the past, but as prelude to the present and promise for them. So they look back and say, we were in deep trouble. God saw God sent Moses there, and God rescued and led us forward. Never forget, thank God, and know that whatever trouble we're in now, God sees, God hears, God rescues, and God's got the future, God's hands. That's why we gather. I remember Will Willimon saying, people don't need so much to be told as to be reminded of God's love and presence in there. Week after week, we remind each other. I, I don't know about you, but intellectually, I remember God loves me beyond all reason all the time. Intellectually. Yeah, I know it. Emotionally, yeah. I forget it by Monday afternoon. <laughs> 
I hear life you. begins to close in, and I'm like, oh my, I need constant. So yep. moving oh, into uh, the oh, amen at the end, you know, sort of tag it yeah. on, uh, kind of like when you're getting tangled up in your sermon sometimes, and you get to yeah. the end and you just go, uh, and the word of the Lord <laughs> for the people, well, you just got to quit. My <laughs> favorite of that is when uh, Luther was called back from Wartburg Castle. Things got all disruptive in Wittenberg while he was hiding out from the emperor to keep from getting excommunicated, getting Exed yes. his head yes. after being ex- Exit life. Getting axed yes. after being exed. He <laughs> came back to preach a series, a weekly series, and the the record the manuscripts which were written by people listening, you know, uh, and write them down. Got to he said, "Well, that's enough for today." Yeah. You just get to a point and you say, well, that's enough for today. I, I have let's, li- have, let's have I, I, I have literally been in some of those, and I'm thinking, just get out of here as graciously as you can, John. Just, just stop. He looked out and he said, these people are tired. It's time to eat. That's it. That's okay. enough for today. All right. Jeremiah 15, and I, the historical situation, we touched on several different times. So, And, and Jeremiah's kind of is whining. So it's before the exile. And what's happening is north is Babylon, south is Egypt, two big kingdoms. They're they're playing and anybody can look at it and see that if a war comes, who's going to be caught in the middle? Who's going to be in in the middle. And Jeremiah tells the people, you know, be he's preaching to them and nobody wants to hear it. He's accused of being unpatriotic. You know? For raising some of the concern. And they basically, the response of the people is, but we're God's chosen. We have the temple. We are Jerusalem. God will not allow us to be destroyed. They have no preparation. They're not ready. They're not living up. They're not a holy people. They're living on the memory of being a holy people. And he speaks truth to power. And to the people, and nobody likes it. This is why he's reviled and beat up and all this. And what's he, the first half of this text, he whines. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you know, I hate your, I hate your word. It was sweet and I spoke it and then it didn't come out the way I thought it was going to. And these people are all on me. And then you get this shift at verse 19 at which God begins to re- reassure. But he doesn't say, just keep at it long enough, and they'll listen, and it'll be fine. You know, he just says, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep on. He never promises they'll listen. And- Absolutely. What did he promise Moses? I'll be with you. You go That's and speak. That's what he promises Jeremiah. Yeah. You go and speak, I'll be with you. And, yeah, same thing here. No vindication. But presence, yeah, and and sometimes we get to the point uh, we utilitarian Americans who measure everything by success, and and say we have to do it. And the success of the modern church is, as we're desperate to avoid death, we think this measurement of success is butts in the pew. Yeah. Let's we just get us some new people in here. Everything will be all right. In here, and so we look around and said. Who's growing? Let's do what they're doing. Yeah. Or what we think will bring them in or whatever. And the measurement of 
faithfulness has become God will bless us with numbers and which is idolatry. It's wrong. Yeah. What we are called to do is speak the truth. We are to eat God's word. It is mm. sweet, and we bring it to people. We're not responsible for how they hear it. We are responsible for making it hearable. Best and Jeremiah is a lesson to us both as preachers and to his congregation that we are called to find what our message is and what our service is, and to trust God for whatever that economic numbers in the pew outcome may be. That's it. If we get the cart before the horse, we're in trouble every time. Pull a little bit from Paul, which we're going to get in a minute. As much as lieth within you, preacher, it's devour the word, (laughs) get it ready, give it as clearly as you can, and leave the rest up to God. And the psalm, Psalm 26, it goes with it, starts with, Vindicate me, O Lord. It's echoing what, you know, Jeremiah's desire to be vindicated. But it's interesting, and it goes all the way through verse 7 about wash my hands in innocence. It continues to say, I don't know what he's Oh Lord, I ha- I love the house in which you dwell, place for your. It's an at the ends with, whatever happened, I'm with. You. I'm in your I presence, and yeah. that again is God promises I'll be with you. And whatever that, happens, it's beautiful language. Beautiful language. That verse 2 is one of those be careful what you pray for verses. <laughs> Prove me, Lord. Try me. Test my heart and my mind. Well, God will do that. And it's exactly what you're talking about. This, when things fall apart, when the, you know, stuff hits the fan and whatever, where's our trust? Where's our, you know, that, that happens. Yeah. And yeah, it's part of the life. So moving to this Romans text. Um, it's important. Remember, go back to twelve one, where the first eleven chapters Paul's been making his case about his ethics and the way one should live. And the question people have is, well, if grace abounds, you know that key question: should we sin the more that grace may abound? Well, hell no, Paul says no. And so he gets to the therefore, and this is more of the therefore, because we have Christ indwelling, we are a community for one another. Therefore, and this is more of the therefore, I always thought, and he's coming to a conclusion, you know, this is, he's turned that corner and then his ending. I always think, read this like a, a good Southern preacher on a roll at the end makes this just so wonderful. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit. You get the idea. Yeah. Those of you that Delmer just blew your speakers out, (laughs) welcome back. Come on. I I, I tone it down a significant degree. Uh, Anyway. So, contribute to the needs of the saints. So, verses 9 through 13a is basically an encouragement for how we treat one another within this community of faith, how we live together as a people 
who are committed to one another and take care of one another. And then 13b, it begins to move it outside the immediate community of faith, the brothers and sisters, the home church, and begins to say, how do we live in community as it begins to talk about charity to the strangers? And it immediately recognizes, and I love this, from the earliest days of the church, it immediately recognizes that we live in the midst of a world that doesn't share our values, and some will resist those values violent, you know, vigorously. I don't want to say violently. Vigorously. vigorously. Yeah. Uh, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not sue them so that you can continue your priority of being able to do Christian things wherever you feel like it. <laughs> Sorry, did I? <laughs> <laughs> we we don't need yeah. extra privilege. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're not. That's not persecution. Just we're not in the same prominent place we always thought we used to. We live in a different world. How do we act in a world where not everybody's? Which is kind of what these what first the Christians Christian were having about. to do. They were yeah. a distinct minority. How do we live in it? Live in harmony live in- with one another. And this doesn't necessarily mean just with the people in church. You know, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. I I love reading these verses, thinking about them. I'm thinking about me. <laughs> yeah, but what's going on here is no. Wait a minute. You mean this is about this is me? this is to and, and the us church. right here. About yeah. us and yeah. how we are to behave, not necessarily to the other folk. Because we're, let's face it, most churches are kind of homogeneous. That is, they mm-hmm. kind of, we're a lot alike. It's a yep. friendly church. The people that didn't find it <laughs> friendly went somewhere else. They're gone. <laughs> we like each other here. We're one big family. Get along. How do you treat the people who aren't people you like, but that you're supposed to love? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Take thought of what is noble in the sight of all. How do you live in that larger community? As it is possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably. About a culture that in a culture demanding the right to carry guns at all time in case somebody angers us. We need to be able to Create peace through intimidation, I guess. Mm. i just saying, what does it mean to be called life and witness that Christian life beyond our words but to our actions? If you look through this, all of it's how we act mm. in relation to others. I, I was reading I, I, uh, C.S. Lewis's Letters to an American Lady, some correspondence with him he never met. He had fallen into correspondence when he wrote a few letters about his books. And he was famous for handwriting notes to all kinds of folks all day long. And she accumulated this. It got published. And in, in one of them, um, he, he talks about uh, how if only 10% of the world were Genuinely holy people. What a what an effect that would have on the world. He said, but we're not. 
We just ain't. Just ain't. And Paul is calling us be holy. And what a struggle it is. But genuine holiness would permeate the world. This is what he's saying. Do not stand on your soapbox and yell about how other people aren't good. Live like this and be peaceable, and it will attract. Go. Yeah. It will attract. Go be this. Go be this. Don't yeah. go say yeah. this. Yeah. And it comes yeah. down to, and where it says, leave room for the wrath of God. Yeah. Now, we we have trouble with the whole wrath of God thing. We like a sweet Jesus, sweet, kind, gentle Jesus. We mm. even, and that's been true for a long time. I mean, Marcion, in creating his first canon, tried to take out all the angry God stuff. Mm-hmm. But what's meant here by the wrath of God has more to do with God's intense, ardent desire for true justice. That's what they're talking about. Not just, he's just the emotion. It's not God, the emotion of God. And and at this time, Greek and somewhat Hebrew thought was a kind of passionless in terms of that, not not subject to emotion. This is not an emotion of anger. This is a reasonable response to the injustice. And we all have reasonable responses to injustice. And we're called to proclaim reasonable responses to injustice. And his proclamation here is, don't take it into your own hand. I love that. that leave, room leave room for God to work this out. God's studying on yeah. this. God is working. Leave room. God's working. And the, and the quotations here from Deuteronomy 32, 35, and Proverbs 25, 21, yeah, There's some echoes of the Sermon on the Mount, and you can see some of the oral tradition. This is prior to it being written down, so it's not exactly. But all, in all of what he's saying here is he's echoing a long tradition of hospitality to strangers and trusting God. This goes back to Moses. Moses didn't lead, you know, didn't lead an army. He walked in <laughs> and asked Pharaoh. And God's wrath, his desire for justice, happened. Now, one of the, you know, go all the way back to Moses, and you got Jeremiah and, and these various wars. It, it becomes interesting to say. So, we we celebrate God delivering the Israel captive. But whenever an oppressor gets defeated, the oppressor suffers. It's communal yep. sin. And and remember that, and that's why we need to leave room and let God do, as far as it is possible with us, live peaceably yeah. with one another, because we don't want to take the vengeance of the Lord into our own hands. God's work. Great conclusion in this little passage before we slip on into the gospel. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil good. And I'm working with this text, uh, my folks. And my question at the outcome is, or at the outset, shall we overcome? And I'm, of course, borrowing a little bit on civil rights. Uh, experience of we shall over sometimes we think we we, i'm talking primarily to myself and privileged culture here 
we assume we shall overcome. We, we, number one, we, I, what do I really have to overcome? But, oh, yeah, it's a given. I have overcome most things in my life. I've, I've moved on up. Um, so I, I, I want to fully realize this idea comes from a different place than my experience. But I at least want to tick my folks to say, well, wait a minute. Um, in the United Church of Christ, we say that we are united in Christ's love. We seek a just world for all. Well, what is that really going to take? Yeah. What does that really mean? Shall we overcome? Shall we put these kinds of things on the line? This, uh, you know, this kind of not repaying evil for evil, this, you know, uh, we're pretty good at contributing to need and extending hospitality, but there's a lot of deep stuff in this passage. Well, shall we? And we are a little bit given to expressing anger at the, quote, other side. We respectable liberals can be <laughs> just as co-opted yeah. by anger, by desiring to Pay evil with evil to see some vengeance done, and the Psalms are, are quite clear how the way these those folks prayed. Get them, God! Get them! Smash the teeth of my enemy. Well, yeah, well Je Jesus ethic calls us maybe no does call us to a little bit different. Well, uh, do not be overcome by evil. One of the one of the things tied in with that that vengeance. Do, do not leave room for the wrath of God. If we decide that the other is evil and the ends justifies the means, at what point do we become worse than as bad or worse than that which oppose? That's the you overcome evil with good, not by being meaner than they are. There you go. Moving on. I got more I got more to say about that, but that's not the context of the show. So let's finish her up, Bubba. Take it all. The Holy home. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Gospel. Christ according to Matthew chapter sixteen. Uh this follows uh, up, this of course, on Paul's um Peter's I always say the wrong one when a P comes up sometimes. <laughs> Peter has his affirmation of faith. Thou you know, you are the son of love. Messiah, the son of the living God. So last week it was the what, you know, this is who do you say that I am? Well, this is it. This is part two. Well, what does that mean? What difference does it make? Sometimes John and I in our preaching workshops talk about the important thing is to find what and so what. What is the truth, the word from the Lord this day, and what difference does it make? Here comes what difference does it make? What does it mean? Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God. It mean, and what does it mean? Two questions then. What does it mean for Jesus? And what does it mean for Jesus' followers? Well, for Jesus, it, it becomes a, pa it's a passion prediction. And this is a great shift in Matthew's gospel in the big picture, in the plot, if you uh, the first bit is the genealogy and the birth and and all of that. So you got setting Jesus up as born and and all that story. And then you've got kind of from the baptism till now, 
you've had the this is the son of god and then you've got him preaching and teaching and gathering crowds and healing and we've seen all this and so we come to this definitive moment you are the messiah the son of god and then he turns his face to jerusalem the rest of the gospel is moving toward jerusalem and have the resistance and they're resisting because he is named the messiah the son of god and then he says what it means this get behind me satan echoes all the way back to right after jesus baptism and the temptations and be careful because in matthew's version it doesn't say that he departed to return to him at a an opportune time so can't play with that here uh, legitimately but you can say the temptations were trying to divert jesus from his path that's what satan did and so the real thing here is jesus is not this is not a psychological argument with his with his friend this is arguing with the voice that trying to divert him from his call as the son of god because the last time somebody called him the son of god my beloved son he went into the wilderness and the tempter tried to lead him astray from the path he knew he needed to take with those three temptations here he comes and says now what i got to do is i got to go to jerusalem i'm going to be tried by the sanhedrin i'm going to be suffer i'm going to die will be resurrected now of course peter didn't hear the last part he had suffering and dying oh no 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 not you you don't need to go that route if it had not been a genuine temptation if it were not that jesus somewhere wanted to not go and be he didn't have a death wish Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have said get behind me satan he wasn't talking to peter he was talking to satan talking through peter he was talking to the temptation to avoid cross and the question, and, and he, so they have this little dialogue, and he turns from Peter, and he talks to the other disciples. This is a word to the disciples, to the church, and to the, to the crowd. Listen, listen. If you're going to follow me, it ain't no bed of roses. It ain't, oh, you're hungry, let me feed everybody every time. It's not all heal, all pains getting healed. Not every need met. That's not it it's part of it but it's not it the it is you're going to follow me you're going to have to deny yourself now if there's ever been a word that modern americans do not want to hear it's Mm, denial of self deny myself but yeah Yeah. and we might echo a little bit of public service and all this stuff but really how much do we deny ourselves and I, I was uh, some years ago, and this was when magazines actually happened. I should update this, I guess, but I was thinking about it. We we had a magazine called Time and Life that we read. For <laughs> and then yeah. there came along the one that was People. And then it became Self <laughs> Magazine. I hadn't kept up in a while. I don't know. With the Internet, it's all about individual things. And TikTok, and one of the latest crazes is to do something with a celebrity to get yourself TikTok moments. You know, they throw their phone or do whatever. And another night in in Colorado, a couple of folks ran on the field 
to be to Ronald Acuna, and he got knocked down. And all they wanted was to get their picture with him on the field to put on TikTok to get people to look at him. Look at me! It's really hard for people to hear denial of self. Such. And and beyond that, you know, my comfort, what's in it for me. When people tell me why they left the church, sometimes I say, well, I wasn't getting much out of it. Now, what does deny self mean? Well, I, I think it's ultimately, um, for me, it's always At what point do I listen to God's call serve others? Cost to disciples. It's not. I haven't, I haven't I had have to a, have uh, go hungry. <laughs> no worries no there for there. me. Yeah, I didn't get rich, but mm-hmm. I, I got money in the bank. I'm not worried there. I give up, and I ask myself that a lot. And one of the struggles I have to do is look at each day and say, "How am I doing? What is God calling? Me? What in the circumstances I got put in do I need to look at and say, who and what can I turn around serve?" Not myself. It's a constant daily And taking up the cross is not whatever suffering you might have. And I, I just say, I take pills for arthritis, had both knees replaced, but arthritis is not my cross to bear. It's just the part of my genetics of being human. My, <laughs> a picking up yeah. a cross is picking up a suffering on behalf of others. Christ took up that cross for how do we take up a cross of sacrifice and suffering for others as God has called us to it? And that's what that is about. And so denying self and following is to say that old question, what would Jesus do, is an important question. Reminding ourselves we're not Jesus. We are a human follower. What has God called us? What way are we called? Right. Right. Woo-wee, Bubba. This uh, deny oneself and take up a cross and follow uh, to to continue the metaphor you were there. That That is not exactly a viral uh, <laughs> moment in, in, in our culture. Uh, and so it is going to take some work for us. And again, we come to the cross. And we stand, kneel, prostrate ourselves, gaze upon, consider what is this message of the cross for me, for us? Uh, what what's going on? Well, it it it's, it never fails to be a power. It is consider. a lot easier to like Jesus mm. than it is to be like Jesus. Ooh. The call today is to the crowds and all those you like me. You like to listen to me preach. You like the healings. You like what I do. You like to see me confront the powers that be. I'm inviting you not just to like me. Don't give press the like button. I'm inviting you to be like me. Mercy. Oh, mercy. Bubba, thank you. Now, you mentioned a minute ago uh, C.S. Lewis and his correspondence yeah. and sending, and this lady somehow was wise enough or fortunate enough to save all that up, and then it got published. And, uh, you know, I'm 
you know, after he kind of got famous, I yep. guess. I'm just thinking, I got almost every email and correspondence <laughs> that I've ever received between you and myself. Reckon I'll be able to publish that one of these days, the the musings of the Reverend well, Dr. The, the, Delmar the, the L. Trouble, the trouble with trouble. email is, and, and text and all of that, it's not very literary at all. At all. <laughs> And the subject matter <laughs> is not matter usually not something huge. that everybody in the world needs to hear. Speaking of people hearing the two Bubba's correspondence, we have a workshop that you could come to and see that live. Would you like to tell us about it, Brother John? Come join us. This is probably our last appeal for those of you that have uh, been thinking or would, would like to come to the live face-to-face -face retreat gathering uh, September 6th, 26, 27, 28. Luther Ranch Retreat Center in Tallapoosa, Georgia. Check us out on lectionarylab.com. There's the information and the uh, the link and registration. We're going to have to hear of that uh, from you on that in about the next week or so. We have heard from several interested in coming. We need to have a certain number to be able to use that facility. So, man, I hope y'all can come. It's going to be a great And do time. not forget great. our special contest, the top ten stupidest things Delmer has said on the lectionary lab. Search your mind Ooh. and your memory to bring those with you. Search your hearts, folks. <laughs> Bubba, I've enjoyed it. Not much else for us to do today other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. If I die... Just pray that I die bravely. You will not die. You'll not have to fight him. Griswold dies as he drinks the toast. What? Listen, I have put a pellet of poison in one of the vessels. Which one? The one with the finger of a pestle. The vessel with the pestle? Yes. But you don't want the vessel with the pestle. You want the chalice from the palace. Uh, I don't want the vessel with the pestle. I want the chalice from the what? The chalice from the palace. Hmm? It's a little crystal chalice with the figure of a palace. Does the chalice from the palace have the pellet with the poison? No, the pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the pestle. Oh, the pestle with the vessel. The vessel with the pestle. What about the palace from the chalice? Not the palace from the chalice. The chalice from the palace. Where's the pellet with the poison? In the vessel with the pestle. Don't you see? The pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew that is true. So easy. I can say it. Well, then you find it. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Bubbles and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Next Steps, performed by Half.Cool. We went out today with a wonderful scene from the movie The Court Chester, starring Danny Kaye, in a scene with Mildred Natwick and Glitz Johns. This is the opening title theme, composed by Sylvia Fine and Sammy Kahn. Brewer B, I'd say for you or me, life couldn't possibly not, even probably life couldn't possibly better be. Life could not better be on a medieval spree, nights full of chivalry, villains full of villainy. You'll see as you suspect. Maidens fair and silks bedecked, each tried and true effect. For the umpteenth time we resurrect. We did research. Authenticity was a must. Zeus did we search. And what did we find? A lot of dust. After the dust had cleared, half the cast 
had a beard, and I'm the one, as you can see, for whom the bell tolls merrily. Shakespeare and Francis Bacon would they declare which one wrote this and they both said get out of there which brings us to the plot plot we've got quite a lot as it unfolds you'll see what starts like a scary tale ends like a fairy tale and life couldn't possibly better be.